Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd. Welcome to the How to Live Podcast Uncut. I always want to thank you for listening, and I appreciate it so much. I also want to remind you, if you do find benefit in it, please take the time to let some other people in on what you're getting and uh, share it with them. Today, I want to share with you sort of some things I've seen and discovered over the years about uh, change and grief and change and courage. Change is one of the absolute conditions of life, and life is full of change. We all know that. And we seek it. We look forward to it. We plan for it. We dread it. And we also do what we can to try to prevent it, uh, sometimes even trying to freeze frame a moment so that we don't have to go any farther because it's so wonderful or maybe it's so terrible we, we can't even imagine the next moment being better. Regardless of, of our perspective on change or different experiences of change, we all have to be able to transition or, quote, deal with, unquote, change to be able to live fully in a place really a place of such wonder and at the same time, a place of such loss, a place of love and a place of death, a place of desire and also a place of discouragement. Because we we never put our hand in the same river twice. It's always moving. And for every change, therefore, a, a difference occurs. And with the difference comes a loss of what was beforehand. Even if the loss is a welcome relief, like a cast being removed, When the cast is removed, we still have to face atrophy, even though it's a wonderful change. We still need to work at recovery, and we still need to face the fact that we needed a cast in the first place. Just simply saying it is what it is is not a way to face life on life's terms. It's actually a way of freezing ourselves from experiencing life. And when we we don't let ourselves have life, we wind up missing life. So even if we had to cast in the first place we still w- and have it taken off, we still wish that the bone had not been broken. And that which we can thank God about is still no escape from life's realities. Life is still here, no matter how great it is or how bad it is, we have to deal with it on its own terms. So for every change, and we've been given this mechanism within us to be able to do so, because for every change, there is an ending. And for every ending... There, there is a loss. And for every loss, there is a death. And so for every death, then there is a grief. And therein is one of the, one of the greatest tools that we've been given to be able to live life in a place that is always moving. And whether for good or for bad or for ill or for, for health, it's always moving. And so we've been created to be able to live fully in the midst of change. But to do so, we have to face our need and we have to develop and and allow ourselves the ability to grieve even before the courage begins again. Grieving well, which means allowing ourselves to have the feelings of the experience we just had, not running from them, but honoring them, we wind up setting ourselves free to be able to process change. And if you can process change, spending time so, so like uh, taking a break from the moment 
to evaluate the experience before going back out onto the, the planes of activity, we wind up being able to, to ironically, by stopping, keeping up with life. And if we're able to grieve and process change, we don't recoil from life. We're not trying to control it. We're able to live in it. Grief lets us come to a place called acceptance, which ultimately is the courage to keep on living and therefore loving in the face of inevitable change. I met with a beautiful couple this morning. There are just days from getting married. And one of the things that she brought up is that her life has been discordant. It has, she's something she's endured because of uh, some experiences in her life that taught her that change always means bad. And if she takes the risk of hoping too much and loving too much, then terrible things will happen. Well, she has stepped into the relationship and she has allowed herself to love deeply. And so what has encroached upon this uh, upcoming wedding day is something terrible is going to happen to him. He's going to get killed before the wedding because she doesn't believe that something so wonderful could happen that could be so so great, which means she's struggling with daring to let herself hope fully because of the pain that can be experienced that she has already had before. So she's got, which we process, she's got some grieving to do related to unfinished business in her own history that keeps her from taking the risk of believing something wonderful can happen because, uh, frankly, some bad things that are ungrieved have. So acceptance actually allows us to have the courage to keep on living and loving in the face of inevitable change, even in the face of inevitable loss. It brings us to hoping again after a loss, acceptance does. Acceptance allows us to risk again even after a disappointment. Because remember, acceptance is the gift that we receive after we've grieved the loss that we've experienced. Acceptance is the capacity to face that something isn't okay because we carry eternity in our hearts and we're not living in eternity, that something isn't okay, and yet it's we're okay in the midst of things not being okay, and even though life isn't okay, it's okay because we're able to live it. So I know there's a series of what, what? And I know there's a, a, a sort of like a back and forth, but it's our capacity to have emotional vulnerability and emotional resilience amidst in the midst of a place where we're hungry for attachment. And yet attachment will also require that we experience pain, but the attachment is worth the pain if we dare to live in love. I know that's a lot, but I just want you to know it's true. <laughs> so acceptance allows us to reach again even after a discouragement. It allows us to attach again after a death of any kind. And loving again allows us to love again while knowing that pain will follow, all of which will put us in a position again of change, which puts us in a position of grief. So, but grieving well brings us to acceptance and acceptance allows us to do, go on with living. Uh, and so such is life, uh, this side of heaven. And so um, we live on earth. Samuel Beckett said, you live on earth and that for that there is no cure. So grief is a painful gift within the context of where we live. I don't think anyone seeks it, but we've been given the tool that allows us to stay in the midst of the arena of living uh, 
even though we're living in a place where loss is inevitable. So grief is a painful gift, yet a gift it is. It lets us live well in a place of pain, even the pain of nightfall after a, quote, perfect day, unquote. I remember uh, our youngest son uh, left for college years, some years ago, because I'm old now, I've had more change. Uh, he left for college, and it was a great opportunity for him to grow, and a great opportunity that, you know, he got to go to college that we sort of take for granted now from the context that it's assumed instead of it's an opportunity. So he got to go to a wonderful school. He was ready to go and ready to grow, uh, groomed, excited. And Sonia and I could move on into the next phase of our, our lives, living in a brand new world for us, one that we had not lived in together for 20 years. And we had good plans and we still wanted to be with each other, which was, I was very thankful for. So was she. And the first Monday afternoon after he left for school, I came home from, from working and I called Sonia uh, as I pulled into our driveway and I told her that I was headed towards our backyard to sit on some steps that overlook an open field. It's a floodplain. And um, about a hundred yards from where I was going to be sitting, there's a tree line. And this area we called the baseball field. Uh, there's a backstop that I had put in. Oh gosh, you know, basically when we first moved in, a friend of mine was, was doing them and he's wanted to practice. And so I got a great discount, got a great backstop. And so to be my little field of dreams, our kids, uh, grew up. They both ended up liking baseball. I didn't play it, so I wasn't trying to fulfill my own unfinished business. So I didn't even play the game, but they loved it. And we hit. We hit and hit and hit and had times there. I can remember the swallows in the, uh, the uh, late afternoon uh, hitting mosquitoes and the, the plunk of the bat and the sounds of the, the, the uh, early evening sweat, bugs, Summer sounds, grasping mold in the, in the distance, dog barking somewhere away, and us us hitting. And so I was going down to the, that baseball field, and um, and my son was able to get a scholarship to go play baseball. So even that was a, a benefit. But anyway, I came home from work and I pulled into our driveway. I called Sonia and told her I was going to go sit down at the baseball field on some steps that my oldest son and I put in years ago. Sort of like, uh, so, you know, parents could sit and watch their kids play in the, the summer days, summer evenings, springs, fall, and so on. And I remember how, how dry and brown the grass was on the field that it had already turned at summer's end when it got dry and the sun was still hot. It was about five o'clock and the sun was bearing down. Uh, and and the, I remember the sky was really blue. And Sonia said that she'd meet me down there, which was great. And I was, uh, uh, sitting down there and she got to, to the steps and she sat down and I looked at her and we both kind of smiled at each other. And then I said, um, I miss him so much. And, uh, and when I said it, we both burst into tears and we leaned on each other crying and laughing too at the same time, because it was a good tears at the same time. They were good tears. They were tears of joy and there were tears of loss. There were tears of thankfulness and tears of memory that, that they, those days are gone. Um, I went to the place where there was joy to cry about loss 
and we both burst into tears. Like I said, we leaned on each other. And I was already sweating in the heat of a late September afternoon. And he had, he had only been gone 48 hours. Even that memory, we were together in it. Uh, and it's a wonderful memory of a great loss, even a perfect loss, related to something good. But by us taking time to recognize that it wasn't just a wonderful thing that he left, it was a change, and the change had a grief in it. And that loss brought us to kind of looking backwards and gathering up the memory, you know, sort of putting it all together in a place of appreciation. But the appreciation came most fully through us recognizing the change, the loss, the death, and the grief to be had. Um, and even us looking at each other, laughing at each other in terms of wonderful embarrassment and understanding of uh, the, the beauty of love and that a dream had come true and a dream had also moved on. Another, another memory. These are just, these are just commonplace things. I, I, uh, I ran in the senior Olympics, uh, two years ago at the age of 60. Um, and the first time I tried it at, when I turned 60, I, I literally took off in the, the hundred, both hamstrings popped. My youngest son happened to be there. He said, Dad, when I saw you lift your head up, I knew something bad was about to happen. Because running sprints, when you start, you got to keep your head down and then it slowly comes up as the speed picks up and the push is sort of a, uh, the mechanisms of sprinting. Anyway, so I healed from that, went back. I'd even told Sonia, like, I don't think I'm going to do it. And, and the morning of the, 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 uh, the track meet, she said, come on, come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. And I'm like, well, okay. And the day was gorgeous. Um, the body felt good. Um, I hadn't competed in, oh, 45 years at all. I ran track in high school, played basketball and, and, uh, uh, also, you know, played a little football uh, for one year, freshman year, and then moved on to, uh, more enjoyable sports for me. But anyway, um, it was a great day, beautiful day. Uh, I, 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 I medaled in the, got a silver in the 200 <laughs> and practicing for the 200, getting ready for it. I just ran a hundred several times thinking the day of the race, I would just run a hundred twice. <laughs> and I surprised me and I surprised Sonia too in uh, meddling in that. And uh, I was able to get a, a, a bronze in the 50 and uh, fourth in the hundred. And I'll be honest with you, I was gloriously gloriously surprised and thrilled. I was also um, so thankful that I literally that day, uh, I just ran in joy. I ran in joy. I ran knowing that I was getting to do it. And it was amazing how free I was that day. And I remember uh, she took pictures of me with my medals. <laughs> we sent it, we sent our pictures to our sons. <laughs> and I even took the medals to, I teach, uh, taught Sunday school, teach Sunday school. And I, I wore the medals to Sunday school class like a big child. And uh, I loved it, enjoyed it, and, and looked back on it, look back on it now with, with just the sweetness. And it also was uh, the joy because, you know, years, years and years before, it was like an overcoming of a loss, too. Uh, a grief unfinished because back when I did run, I didn't run with joy. I, I ran in from the standpoint of sort of a competitive fear. 
more than I had, ran with a, a, an abandonment to joy of getting to. So that day was uh, sort of an overcoming of finishing a loss, a, a grief unfinished that was 45 years in the making. Now, I also planned to go back and do it again the following year. As subsequently, though, I tore a, a tendon in my foot and have it run uh, a sprint in uh, oh, over a year. Uh, so that what a wonderful day that was, not knowing that change in other ways was going to occur. And it turns out that I may never uh, be able to go back out and do that again uh, at all, ever. And so how wonderful it was that Sonia that day said, come on, come on, come on. And uh, I did not miss something that would have, that ended up unfolding into a great joy. And that was a day that I didn't realize that I might not ever do it again. So for every change, there is a grief and acceptance by walking through the grief. Walking through the grief means feeling it, sharing it, stopping, pit stopping and evaluating it, exploring it, expressing it, and then taking the risk of hoping again instead of trying to reduce our hopes that that ungrieved life uh, does to us. So even in the midst of the goodness of William and the goodness of that track meet, even amidst such goodness, uh, like with William, for example, my youngest son, uh, my, my heart carried grief, which I had historically, historically throughout my life had been a master at avoiding or denying grief or even minimizing it. But even though I said to Sonia how silly I felt to be crying over something so good that day after he had left, a real truth was that a personal era in our lives when he left home had ended. Both our sons were gone. And, and I had the same grief when the oldest son left and turned around and had the same grief when the youngest son left. So the era, the era that we were just finished, uh, was closing. And that was going to become the fabric of our lives, sort of another square in the quilt that ends up making a lifetime of living of loss and gratitude, of grief and acceptance, remorse and healing. But because of grief permitted, because we allowed ourselves to have that pit stop of remembering, the pit stop of, recogni of recognition, we also came to memory, uh, the remembering and remembering uh, and, and having endured life and been resilient in it allows us to have gratitude. So instead of just simply closing a door of, of say, this track meet or, or this Williams leaving home, and it can be a lot more serious than that, guys. Everybody who's hearing this has, I'm just sharing griefs that are on a, a two level and in the one to 10 world. So you know that our griefs can be so much deeper and so much more painful. And I'm still saying that the same process uh, occurs. So instead of closing the door on, on to avoid the full impact of love or care, attachment, regret, remorse, valuing or loss, we need to stop and have the memory of having been alive in all of our lives, in all of the realities, and uh, giving ourselves permission to grieve uh, the, the way life works, and at the same time, daring to go ahead and live fully uh, in the midst of it. 
And grief is what allows us to do that by facing that change is inevitable and, and us dealing with that which is inevitable instead of running from it. To do so requires courage. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. And courage in its simplest form just simply means full-hearted participation. And frankly put, and you've heard me say it before, but children do it best. Children have full-hearted participation best. And they are living how we're actually made before experience has begun to tell them otherwise. So I want want us to hear at this point, experience doesn't change the way we're created. And we were created fully participating in life. And that's not made to stop, even though experience can tell us otherwise. Courage says, I'm all in. And the bravest people on earth have sometimes and many times experienced some of the, some of the greatest tragedies. But those who return to living are the bravest humans on earth because they say, in spite of it all, I kept on living until I hungered to live again and return to being all in wiser, more experienced, more aware, uh, more able to, to teach and more teachable but all in. Those are the people who wind up leading others who are young at life uh, towards living more fully in life. So when it comes to full-hearted participation, like I say, children seem to do it best. They don't know all about all the, the foibles and terrors of their futures yet, usually, but they, they openly bring the neediness of their tears of pain and their fears of distance from security And they also bring their joys that hold no embarrassment to the people around them, to the connection to life. I will say it again. Children naturally are able to bring the neediness that their tears arouse, tears of pain. They bring the fears of distancing from security to the caregivers. And they they unabashedly share the joys without holding on to them because they're made to be expressed. So they, they come into life full of courage, full-hearted participation. And when they face pain, when they face fear, when they face embarrassment, they turn towards help so that they can heal. They turn towards sharing so that they can uh, find uh, security. And they turn towards uh, offering the celebration so they can laugh with others again. So in other words, when, when their initial expectations of life being easier, safer, and less humiliating than it actually is, they turn to help. They turn for help. They're, they are good at seeking that which will let them return to full-hearted participation, being all in again. They express need. If their needs are met, they are encouraged. In other words, they are I-N 
courage. Courage is being put back into them or refilled so they can go towards life again by becoming encouraged. And I did a podcast on the power of encouragement, and this is the territory of needing encouragement because the life is changing and grief is a part of that change. If becoming ashamed of need starts to have more power, then our ability to ask for help, we will lose courage. And like I said, courage is essential because life changes, which means it's going to bring us to grief. And grief is that which brings us to acceptance. And acceptance is there to give us opportunity to step into life with courage again, full-hearted participation. But if we become ashamed of our needs and, and, that, and that shame starts to have more power in our lives than our ability to ask for help, we will lose full-hearted participation. We'll back away from the lives that we can have. Courage is only as consistent as our ability to ask for help. No one does life alone. We all need to be encouraged, which means we all need to be able to know when sort of our, our, our uh, well is low, our, we're, we're drying up, and we need to be able to ask, seek, and not for what, what, we're, what we're made to have. Courage in life comes in a bucket's worth of supply. It, if we are living fully, the bucket will be emptied sometimes even per day. One way or another, it's going to be empty, which means that we have a need for more of it, more of it. And that happens through our being connected to others who can give us what we don't have. And then we can give away our participation in life again. Ironically, through a childlike willingness to need help, we wind up remaining vibrant, grown-up, earth movers who step out into life to make a difference, to make a difference. So it's the child makeup in us that we need to grow in. So grow up in, not leave behind, but to mature in that allows us to be change makers in a world that uh, we're not going to change. We live in a world that we're not going to change, but we can be changed in the midst of it and then help others find the same thing, the change they seek. And yet that requires us facing like what I just even introduced to us now, that life is full of change and change brings us to grief. And one of the things I just said is that the world isn't going to change, but we can be changed in the midst of it. So the fact that the world is not going to be changed, we will always have strife. And we will always have despair. We will always have destruction and we'll always have death. And, and our ability to tolerate change, grief and have courage allows us to go. So what? So what? I'm still going to move towards that which I'm made to do. And we are made to be grown up earth movers who step out into a life to make a difference. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it so much. And I hope that you benefit and maybe even just encouraged for the day to sort of rouse to keep on. So God bless you. I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you. 